Hello and welcome back to the IDC Tech Talk podcast. My name is Miles Dawson. I am your host today. And uh, today we've got a very special podcast for you. We're delighted to be teaming up with IDC's European DevOps Research Innovation Council, or RIC if you prefer. Our topic today is to discuss remote working and particularly how distributed teams can deliver success, particularly during our global health crisis at the moment with the coronavirus outbreak. Our DevOps RIC is run by IDC analysts Jennifer Thompson and George Miranescu. And we have both of them on the call today. Hello, Jen and George. Hey, Miles. Hello. Hello. And uh, I'd also like to welcome the, uh, some of the panel members from the DevOps RIC. And if you could introduce yourselves and give a bit of a background onto yourselves and what you do at your organizations. Dominic, uh, would you like to go first? Sure. Thanks, Miles. Uh, so my name's Dominic Wellington. I work at MongoDB as the Director of Field Initiatives. Uh, which is uh, basically a catch-all role inside of product marketing, helping make sure that uh, we deliver the right things both inside the company uh, and outside to our customers and users uh, so that everyone understands what we're about and where we're going and that we are going in the right direction where people need us to go. Excellent. Thanks for that. And welcome, Dominic. Um, Andy, do you want to go next? Hi, yeah, uh, Andy Curiton. So I'm the founder and managing director of ECS Digital. So we're the digital engineering division of ECS. ECS are end-to-end digital transformation consultancy with primary offerings around customer experience, digital engineering, cloud and data, uh, based primarily out of the UK um, with a fairly heavy sort of financial services and utilities focus. Uh, but we're privileged to work with uh, some of the best and brightest organizations uh, around the world. Brilliant. Well, welcome, Andy. And uh, finally, Alois, do you want to go next? Yeah. Uh, my name is Alois Weisbauer. I'm the Chief Technical Strategist here at Dynatrace. We're a software intelligence company. My focus is, on the one hand, researching new technologies, especially in the automation and AI ops space, and also doing a lot of work in the open source communities around observability, but also application delivery specifically CNCF and now also Continuous Delivery Foundation. Fantastic. So welcome to our panel. And um, let me start off by uh, saying that various countries across Western Europe have been um, on lockdown or quarantine over the past seven weeks. So I wanted to start by asking Jen, um, what do you think the impact has been of the last seven weeks, particularly on on people, on process and uh, on culture? Uh, you know, Miles, this is a really interesting topic, and we've actually been discussing this and debating this within our DevOps RIC council meetings. Um, and I think one thing is, if we put kind of the impact of COVID-19 into perspective, then within almost a three-week period, all software engineering teams across Europe went from being co-located in one location to being distributed across many so kind of from, from our perspective, distributed DevOps just got very, very real. So organizations are now needing to adapt to what this new normal means and how they're going to be able to rapidly set up their teams to succeed both virtually and in a distributed fashion. And what we're seeing, which isn't surprising, is that the cultural dimension is the biggest change and the biggest challenge. So anyone who had remote working off the table before this crisis can't do that now. So everyone needs to think realistically about virtual cultures, how they're being created. Is this going to help? Is this going to hinder organizational culture long term? How can virtual culture be less artificial? How can it aid in sustaining the cultural transformation that's already taken place? 
but also what are the new incentives for these virtual teams? What is the talent retention, the training plans um, that are going to be affected? And also how can team cohesion be retained and be managed? Um, so like many things in DevOps, tech may be the easier bit here. I think that's absolutely the right point is that um, technology could very well be the easiest part and the cultural shift is going to be the challenge. Um, I'd love to bring Dominic into this, actually, because my understanding is you've been a remote worker for most of your professional career. So what is your opinion of the the major consequences of such an abrupt move to 100 percent remote working? Yeah, that's as Jen said, that's going to be the interesting aspect. Uh, Not so much the things that happened right away. Uh, everyone's now got used to being on Zoom calls or you know uh, whatever technology you're using for most of their days. But what implications does that have? So one thing that's happening, for instance, is people are working from home who might not have been working from home before. The organization was maybe not set up for that. And so IT ops teams are all struggling to reset passwords and sort out VPN access issue. And so many things that they might not have considered before, they're kind of forced into uh, just because they simply no longer have the cycles, the bandwidth uh, to deal with managing them themselves. So they're looking at SaaS solutions in a new light. Anything that can free up some hours in the day is going to be helpful. And then there are the the consequences of, of this move for development teams who are used to doing stand-ups to moving post-it notes around whiteboards. How do they do that when they're all scattered to the four corners of the earth? So they're going to yes, on day one, adopt all these remote working techniques and uh, work in Slack rooms and whatnot. Uh, But I think a second consequence that we're starting to see is uh, integrations happening between teams. Before, it was very easy to talk within your team, but very hard to talk across the border with another team. And now those are just about as easy or as difficult to do. And so it makes it possible to make things like DevSecOps real uh, because those three teams can communicate with each other just as effectively as they could communicate with their immediate colleagues. Definitely. Now, Dominic, that's absolutely right. And um, thank you for giving us such a great perspective on the cultural side of things. But if we were going to look further at the actual kind of getting work done, particularly working on projects, um, Andy, I'd like to bring you in here and what, in your opinion, would be the impact of remote working on how organisations are approaching these larger, more complex projects? Yeah, thanks, Miles. Um, so kind of as, as Jen said, uh, within the DevOps or digital transformation domain, working remotely has always been technically feasible. Uh, the barrier to projects operating in such a manner really has been down to customer comfort with that way of working. Particularly, we find for, for service providers, and the, the perception of their productivity, again, particularly for human change uh, and enablement activities. Existing projects have been forced to adapt, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be as successful and have such long lasting effects uh, going forwards. For new projects, we're seeing very much two camps. Uh, there's the delay the project or, or even shelve it right now. and We'll come back to it if and when it, it becomes relevant. And that's typically for organisations that, again, are unfamiliar with working uh, in that way for projects or where those project stakeholders have a negative perception or are uncomfortable um, with remote ways of working. We tend to find for our larger, more geographically distributed customers where projects have mixed teams across geographies and time zones that actually is BAU. Um, It's it's no big issue for me to be working 
um, you know, at, at home in Kent as opposed to in London. Uh, that, that's quite normal. KPIs themselves remain the same. We're not creating KPIs and shouldn't be creating KPIs just because we're working remotely. But they're very interesting. If you take, for example, velocity, um, that's something that, that we've used with, with multiple projects recently, just to be able to say to, uh, to our customers that you know, the project team was operating at, at X velocity in, in February, at X plus um, in March, um, and we expect it to be sort of X plus plus in April. We're, we're actually seeing an improvement um, in productivity there because some of the less beneficial aspects of, of being in buildings together, sort of meeting cultures that certain organisations have that, that can detract from, from productivity. In terms of, of how to actually organise those projects going forward for the people aspect, uh, video, of course, is key because it brings the human element not only to building relationships, but to maintaining relationships, ensuring that you have time to chat about non-work related things. When you're, when you're looking at um, uh, onboarding new people to your project or starting new projects, some of our some of our pod leads have been talking to us about really cultural differences are key and how you pick up on them in a remote environment can lead to some quite innovative solutions um, one of them was uh, daily fun questions in stand-ups to really help to get to know people um, and their personalities you know, if you could travel to a country for a weekend where would you go and why um, one was, if you could replace a limb with a kitchen utensil, which would you pick? Um, they found it really successful for exposing people's personalities, which helps you create a bond over video link with people that you're not, you know, you're, you're not there in person with. But again, where your processes um, might be more designed around being in the office, um, just little tweaks make your demos look a bit uh, look a bit slicker extra consideration around sprint planning. Um, just because somebody's working from home doesn't mean they're available, particularly in the, in, um, the current situation we're in, where, it, where it's very much forced and we've got parents who have got kids that are, that are being homeschooled because all of the schools are closed, um, et cetera. So being really cognizant about things like that. Um, and don't forget your social. Um, I think, yeah, personally, I think that that's critical. Uh, we have a kitchen channel within ECS, which is our kind of our virtual water cooler. Uh, we've got virtual pub quizzes and things like that going on with, with customer teams. So um, keeping that sort of social aspect and human interaction, um, I think, is, is our focus really for keeping uh, productive and harmonious teams and therefore successful projects. No, definitely. And that's something we're doing at IDC as well. We've, we, we've got a water cooler call going on. We have like a catch up call, like a, a tea time, a tea break call that we do every day as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it definitely improves the experience of working from home. when You can have that ongoing interaction with your colleagues, definitely, that you would get usually in the office. But um, if we move away from um, the cultural aspect for a second, and um, Alois, I'd like to bring you in here. Um, I'd love to understand a little bit more about the role of automation in this and how organizations um, are ensuring that the developers and engineering teams can continue to do it, to function in their most uh, capable way during this lockdown. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing about uh, this whole situation that, that we're in right now, when it comes to digital transformation initiatives, and those around DevOps and automation, 
as this is right now a forcing factor. If you didn't prioritize it before, right now you have no option to prioritize it. You just have to get things done. You have to work on things. If you thought, well, we do automation later, we work on team collaboration later on, there is no later right now. So either you do it right now, or worst case, you might be out of business in, in half a year from now. And the massive impact is also seen with industries that historically haven't invested that much into digital transformation, especially in some countries. There's, there's obviously differences. I'm particularly looking into like education or governments and uh, related like insurance and, and others who used to have customers throughout the year that did some stuff digital, but not that that a lot of digital activities. And we have been monitoring a lot of these sites and also talk to our customers. But we had customers that had the traffic of an entire year in just half a day, working partly on applications and delivery mechanisms that are 20 plus years old. I think you all have read that article that I think New Jersey is now looking for COBOL developers, COBOL or Fortran, one of the two. So these these people have a hard time moving into this automation space, and but they see the necessity. But it's like fixing or assembling the plane while it's already on fire and going down, which is really hard. Um, that the major changes, however, there's no like big uh, automation projects. It's like really hands on. And I have this one quote from one of our customers. Actually, they are in one of the industries that are massively impacted by this because they're in travel, uh, leisure travel, which obviously nobody's really doing right now. And their statement was quite easy when it comes to automation. Give me my people back. I can't hire more people. I need them to work on the things that don't work right now. And I don't want them to do anything repeatedly, automate these tasks away. It drives me crazy that my people are in administrative tasks right now. I can't hire new people and I have all this digital transformation work that I have to catch up. And also on the meeting side, I think a lot of companies start to feel like this Zoom fatigue or meeting fatigue. There's so many online meetings and it drives you crazy. Like everybody's now starting an online meeting. It becomes even more obvious. Like quickly talking for a coffee 10 times a day in an, when you work in the office might not feel like a lot of meeting, but now you realize how often you need to coordinate, how often things are not going really fine. And I'm sometimes joking that I want to reach that level of work from home sometimes because it's just meet from home. It's not work. And I think that's where a lot of people want to go. And that's where automation really comes in. It needs to deliver the right information to people. A meeting should not necessarily be required. And the role of automation is to only bring the right people together. And this is also ideally in a slightly automated fashion. Like if you have, for example, an issue with one of your software components, or your application should only bring the, meet, the people into the meeting that are required. And you might not even know those people because in the past there was somebody else who's not really part of this problem right now that brought like the third person in. And I think overall automation can remove like a lot of the burdens, but it can also bring people together with approaches like chat ops, but in a more intelligent uh, fashion by really bringing the right people into the room that needs things to get done and also enabling people to automate things. Because one thing of automation is, is also the sharing of knowledge. Because if I personally can do it, it's a very anecdotal thing that I can talk to you about. If I can automate it, if I can put the script somewhere and run that process, everybody in the company can do it. So it's really enabling the entire company. And I think that all boils down right now that this whole topic of digital transformation and automation 
has come down to can you deliver results in a week from now, in a month from now? And that's what we're starting to see, which is interesting because some companies are holding project, but many of them are just moving them in a different direction, more tactical, less strategic. But on the other hand, then going full steam on the strategic topics. No, definitely. And that's 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 a really interesting point. I'd love to actually bring George in on that and um, get your view um, on what do you think the longer term um, impact will be of the way that these teams will be operating in the future? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, Miles, I, I think this is a really hard question, particularly when people right now are very focused on <laughs> very short term view of the, the world. But I think, you know, post-crisis, when supposedly we will be uh, in a more strategic mode of thinking than, than right now, which is very tactical, very adaptive, I think, you know, once the pandemic is over, probably people will be forced to rethink some dimensions of the, their operating models. And I think, you know, Dominic and Andy and Alois have, have referenced some dimensions there. For me, I think the, the, the most obvious uh, long-term impact is on uh, budgeting for co core tooling. So I think this pushes the case for cloud-based application development uh, and deployment. I think it pushes the case for uh, environments and architectures that can support uh, remote work uh, and and that have a high affinity for uh, agile techniques on the you know culture collaboration organizational designs but i think you know culture specifically we're you know we're living here in europe there's uh, a lot of color uh, by by region in terms of how organizations behave uh, I think this pandemic pretty much dissolves that concern, that you know, that reluctance towards having people work remotely. I think moving forward, long-term people will uh, will be led to to operate off-premise much more than in the past. And I think this is not just impacting the commercial space, but I mean the the law, the the regulation environment will change because in specific countries you are somehow bound by the regulation to work from uh, you know from the office so i think the the pandemic from this this point of view builds the business case to uh, make teams operate more virtually then on you know on the collaboration project management organizational design aspect i think you know this will lead to uh, more usage of tools that that support virtual work and of course you see them today but i think the the, the penetration of these tools would be much greater. Uh, and, and I mean here, you know, tooling that can support project discipline, measurement, visibility, accountability. Um, and this because when you work remotely, I think the end result, you know, what you deliver at the end of the business day is, is probably much more scrutinized than when you're uh, on site. And so, you know, with this project discipline, project management, I think it also will come, uh, as Alois mentioned, a lot of automation. A lot of automation will you know the the discussion around this will be very intense post crisis you know how can you remove uh, stuff which is redundant or just takes people's time and then uh, on the um, aspect which i think dominic was uh, was was referring to you know uh, virtual ideation virtual workshops there are tools in the market that that we see but their utilization is rather small right now and i think Post-crisis, probably people will will go and will use these tools much more than they've done so far or in the past. Definitely. Well, uh, we're we're coming to the end of the podcast now. It's been a fantastic discussion. But just to wrap up, 
basically, is there anything that we've missed? And in your personal view, what should teams be doing to achieve success in a distributed environment? So Dominic, do you want to go first? So that's an interesting question uh, because the answers are going to vary quite widely from one team to another. I think all of us have made the point that uh, organizations have a differing level of existing comfort with uh, remote work already, and that's going to drive their reaction now. And also organizations that might not have considered it uh, before being dragged into it kicking and screaming and might find they quite like it. Uh, I was just reading in the news about uh, one San Francisco startup that's considering not reopening its headquarters after shelter in place is over and saving you know tens of millions of dollars in their office lease. And so I suspect that we'll see a lot of these types of things happening. And that also makes it hard to give a universal set of advice that's going to work for everyone. But what I would say is that agile iteration is going to be the name of the game. Uh, Try a whole bunch of things, see what works, what gets picked up, what fits into people's lives. Uh, Remember that your teammates are going to be in different situations. People who are working from home Uh, because they're on their own and they don't have kids to look after. We're in a different situation from those of us who are trying to homeschool our kids and have to steal time from this and that and bargain and horse trade with our spouses. No, it's my turn to go do the quiet work. (laughs) So just be sensitive to these types of uh, personal situations and pick up on those signals and inform the next round. So I think for me, it's uh, the the primary piece is around people and relationships. I think it was the chef CTO that said, happy teams make happy products. Um, I constantly hear salespeople say that people buy people um, and then the product. So for me, it's about focusing on happy teams. So individuals being comfortable in their own working environments, but spending Um, additional time and effort to establish and maintain collaborative and and social relationships with their teams. In our experience, happy teams have always been higher performing um, than than a group of individuals. Um, I'd rather have a 10x team over a 10x developer any day of the week. And that where proof is required that projects continue to deliver value or other KPIs at, at the same rate, use those existing project KPIs around value release, around velocity, et cetera, that should be part and parcel of any agile DevOps digital transformation project um, that's either in flight or or is in planning. Yeah, for me, uh, what I can see like across the board of industry, I think we're in right now really in a state of what I would call like even digital Darwinism. Like it's now really the ones that survive that adapt to the situation. And you can hear some people say, well, let's wait until this is over, which we all hope that like that whole virus thing will be over. But what companies have learned, how they have changed will not be over. So I see this even going further also into the investment community. Just think you are a major investor in the stock market. Once this is over, who are you going to invest in? What are you most likely going to do right now? You watch closely which companies adapt, where do they move? So there's a big opportunity and also a big risk. I think companies will be charged by the way they adopt and the new normal will be raised, especially also from like this digital uh, perspective. How can they cope with resources? And I think the biggest responsibility of executives right now, obviously beyond making their teams happy and the the social aspects we, we already heard about from, from Andy is 
how do you get your company ready? Because everybody who now experiences that they can do more with less, that they can accelerate things, they won't stop doing this uh, once we move back to a more uh, normal work, work and lifestyle. They might see the results or they will see the results and they will accelerate even more. So I think the, the key is envisioning where you want to be in five years and figuring out how you can be there or like 80% there in half a year from now. That's for me the, the, the biggest challenge that people should be thinking about on various fronts on the technology front, but also obviously on the uh, organization front. Yeah, I think it's uh, hard to add beyond what Dominic, Andy, and Alois have already um, touched on. But I think people have to be cognizant that, you know, not everybody is in the same situation. So as, as some of you guys have already mentioned, you know, when you have to do um, a remote schooling, <clears throat> that's something really tough. And there's, um, you know, a family pressure there. There's the other dimension, you know, when people hired stuff, they were not hired for working in remote environments. So there might be a lot of people actually that are not just accommodating with this uh, style of working remotely. They, they, they will not feel comfortable operating in this mode for, for a long time, uh, not just now. And then I think, you know, on the um, corporate side of things and competitive aspect, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of companies right now on the market who are trying to capitalize on the weakness of others. So, uh, the, and I think uh, Luis has mentioned this, right? It's during crisis, you always have some winners, uh, very few winners and, and, and quite a lot of uh, bleeding around. And this is something that the executive should, should look at. Don't accept the situation. Try and uh, keep fighting, let's say. I think for me, and this is one of the things that's kind of been, we, we've said it already, but it's about communication, right? Communicate, communicate, communicate. And I know maybe it sounds a little bit strange saying this, but we always think that we're communicating enough. Uh, but in a virtual environment, we're not communicating enough. And there's this kind of this balance between having all of these meetings, but actually getting the work done. But I think it's about how, how we can communicate, share, but build trust within the teams and be able to provide the kind of the visibility into the team performance, but also provide those tools back to the, the points we made earlier that allow us to kind of self-assess our own productivity, because that's going to be different to how we've been used to working in, in an office environment. Um, and I think, you know, if, if you're working in a new distributed team, uh, to George's point, or if you've automated something or if you've uncovered new code or training materials, then share it. Uh, we've got to make sure that our employees feel empowered to think and act creatively. Absolutely. Well, thank you all very much for that brilliant set of insights. Um, but I'm afraid that is all the time we have for today. So I'd like to thank our panelists for helping us out with the discussion to uh, Dominic, Andy and Alois. Thank you very much for attending the podcast and to our IDC analysts as well, Jen and George. Thank you very much um, to our listeners. Hopefully you found this interesting. Um, and we could give you some thoughts to share on the pandemic's effect on the ICT market and perhaps you have some views you'd like to share with us or opinions uh, please do get in touch you can find us on LinkedIn on Twitter on SoundCloud as well we'd love to hear your opinions and of course uh, please do subscribe to the podcast um, these are uncertain times uh, we will be releasing content when we have new insights to share so hit that subscribe button and get the Tech Talk podcast um, on your podcast app thank you all very much I wish you all good health and uh, I'll see you next time Thanks, Miles. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Miles. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.